0: Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. You're listening to Wiretap with Jonathan Goldstein on CBC Radio 1. Today's episode, Radical Honesty.
1: You,
2: you know about the book I'm writing, right?
1: Yeah, I know it's sort of the bane of your existence.
2: I hate it. It's. It, I mean, you know, it's about the self-help industry, right? And the whole yeah. like, the original idea was that I was going to just go to some self-help workshops and seminars that would each specifically address my problems, which, quite frankly, are numerous.
3: Well. There's
2: a lot of them. And what's happened in the course of my writing this book is that not only have these places failed to fix my problems, but now the writing of the book itself has become my biggest problem. Like, it is just killing me writing this book.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: now when I go to self-help places, all I do is talk about not being able to write my book. It has it trumped all other problems I had before. And I really, truly feel that the self-help industry is is out to destroy me. I had this boyfriend that started dating when I started writing my book, right?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And he turned out to totally, secretly love these self-help books. And do you know the book, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle? no my ex-boyfriend really loved this book he'd wake up in the morning and then go and find like a shaft of sunlight coming through the window and i was always really confused like no matter where the shaft of sunlight was coming he would come and sit underneath the shaft of sunlight like a cat he'd chase the sunlight and then when i eventually read the power of now um i realized that there's a part in this book that tells you to like wake up and appreciate every day new and like actually find a shaft of sunlight to fit in. So he was following the instructions of this book. Hmm. And then, like, a few months later, he used the book to break up with me.
1: How did, he, how did he do that?
2: The thing is, we had been hanging out, having a good time, we watched a movie, and then that night he broke up with me, and I pointed out to him, you know, I don't we were so happy, like, two hours ago, and he told me that I had to live in the moment more. I shouldn't dwell in the past so much. And then also... I've never actually, I don't know if you know this, Jonathan, but I've never broken up with anybody. Like, I've always been dumped or broken up with, and it's, like, beginning to be really disturbing, actually. And so when this boyfriend was breaking up with me, I was just really upset. And I was, like, sitting in his kitchen, and I was crying and telling him that why was I the one who always gets left. And he just looked at me so calmly and said, the reason I get left is because I'm never the one who leaves first. This same boyfriend is the one who told me about a place called Radical Honesty. That was another self-help thing that he was really into.
1: Radical Honesty. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: It was created by this guy named Brad Blanton.
1: Mm-hmm. And you
2: can go attend one of his eight-day seminars.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And basically, Brad challenges us to give up our addiction to lying. He thinks we're all total liars. And I don't know. I, Out of all the self-help places that I heard about, this one actually authentically appealed to me mm-hmm. because I'm already pretty radically honest but i think people just always call it totally inappropriate that's how they describe me mm-hmm. like i have no survival instinct you know like even this boyfriend like a few months after we broke up i ended up seeing him on the subway right mm-hmm. and i was totally upset and i totally missed him i had not gotten over him and as soon as i saw him on the subway i was just like oh my god i'm a wreck i'll never be the same you destroyed me i loved you so much and
1: you told him all this? I
2: told him all that, like on the train. And obviously, the right thing to do as the ex-girlfriend who's been dumped is to be like, "Yeah, I'm totally fine." Like, you know, I've got such a great new boyfriend. My life is so fantastic. Maybe even pretend like I d- I didn't recognize him for a second, you know? Mm. Like squint, like, "Who are you again?" That's what you're supposed to do. But instead, I just like completely like vomited all my like feelings onto him. And so that, to me, seems like radical honesty.
1: Yeah, you're honest. To a
2: fault. And so I felt like it might be nice to maybe go to this workshop where there'd be all these other radically honest people, and we would be kind of comforting, and none of us could say the wrong things to each other, and nobody would get mad.
1: There's a whole community of people wandering around saying inappropriate things to each other.
2: Yeah, for a week, and getting fed for free in between. And so I found Brad Blanton, the creator of Radical Honesty's email, hmm. and I asked him if There was any room in like the latest session right and i think i also like in the email was like i'm so radically honest Mm -hmm. i can't wait to just be honest with you all the time and and he wrote back and said he could totally squeeze me in and he would only charge me two thousand dollars and then so i i I had to go to washington Mm dc but the headquarters were not in washington dc they were a little bit further out and so brad sent his assistant jerry to pick me up at the airport. And so I get into Washington Dulles. Jerry picks me up. He's with this woman named Anne, who's kind of like Brad Blanton's super fan. Like she's attended every single one of Brad's workshops. And I get in the car with the two of them and they got lots of questions for me. And they were way too interested in me. They were staring at me a lot. And they, I could tell they wanted to hug me. And it was just very, there was something very clingy and needy about the attention I was getting in the car. It was really creeping me out. And we were, ended up being in the car for two hours. Really? Yeah. Like, I had thought Radical Honesty headquarters was just, like, right outside D.C. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. It was, like, deep into Virginia. We finally pulled up in this little town called Stanley, Virginia, which I've looked up later. It has a population of, like, 1,500 people. Mm-hmm. And we pulled up to Radical Honesty headquarters, which turned out to be... Brad Blanton's house, like the bathroom that they showed me to use was like Brad's bathroom. There was like hair tingles on the mm. brushes and like grime, uh-huh. and like the, my room that I'd paid two thousand dollars to stay in was like his kids' room.
1: Literally, it was his, it was his kids' room. Literally, with like you know, tickle me Elmo bed sheets.
2: Like a kids' room. Yeah. So I put down my stuff in my room, and I come down the stairs. And I I meet Brad. It's my first introduction to Brad. Mm -hmm. And he's standing there. He's like 60, white hair, and uh, shirtless, very shirtless. And as I come down the stairs, he just walks forward and just gives me a big, clammy, bare-chested, radically honest hug. Did I mention he was shirtless? You did. Yeah. And so... He says, let's go in the living room and get to know everyone. But it turned out they only were trying to get to know me because I was the only new person there. Everyone Uh else there, all the other eight people had been to a radical honesty seminar, most of them many radical honesty seminars in that very living room that we were sitting in. And so we're sitting around, and he's like, we have to go around in a circle and say our names, how much money we made that year, and a big secret about ourselves that we'd never told anyone in order to initiate ourselves to the start of the radical honesty week that we were about to embark on. So we start with Jerry, and Jerry says he hasn't paid taxes for 10 years. And we're just like, oh, you know, that happens. not that big a deal, he should probably get that taken care of, but not that huge. And then it moves over to this man sitting next to Jerry, and the man says, When he was younger, he murdered a man. He was sitting in a truck with the other guy, and they got into this fight, and he took the other man and threw him out the moving truck's window. And the man fell on his head and crushed his skull. And another car came and ran over that guy, so that's why this man never went to jail. So he's been harboring the secret of murdering this man for 20 years.
1: And this is what he shares with everybody as you're going around the circle?
2: Yeah, like 11 in the morning. That's what he shares. Wow. Yeah. And I'm just kind of stunned, right, taking it in. And then it moves over to Anne. And Anne says, well, I guess I can talk about how I have sex with my cat quite often. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So Anne says this, right? It's just hanging there, and no one seems that stunned by her statement. Mm-hmm. But then, suddenly the murderer raises his hand.
1: The, the, it's that kind of environment, like, with the raising hands? Oh,
2: yeah, they very civilized. So, yeah, he raises his hand, and he's like, excuse me, I'd like to add something to my secret. Mm-hmm. Which is already a whopper, right? And he's
1: murdered someone. And
2: he looks very uncomfortable, and he's kind of, like, shifting in his seat. And he says, I'd also like to add that I have made out with my cat. (laughs) Made out. Yeah. (laughs) Uh,
1: What was that like, just like in the spirit of competition?
2: Yeah, I think he felt threatened. I think he'd been unseated, (laughs) and he'd played his trump card too soon, and he thought no one can top this, Uh and then she like did, and so he definitely wanted to make it clear that he'd had some sort of dalliances with his own cat (laughs) as well. So we go around the rest of the room, and it comes to me, mm-hmm. and I haven't murdered anybody, and I haven't yeah. had sex with my cat.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And so I already knew I was going to come up short. <laughs> and so I say that I have a problem where I, I tend to um, shop too much. Like I'll buy something that's too expensive. Yeah, It's not good, right? So I told them that,
3: mm-hmm. came out
2: with my big secret. And then I realize when I'm done talking that the room has gone totally silent and everyone's just staring at me. And then Brad finally says, what is wrong with you? I was harboring a much deeper secret, and then I was just not trusting them to come out with, like, the real stories of murder and debauchery that we all have brewing. I think he thinks that we all really have, like, murdered somebody, and this is the time to come out with it. Mm-hmm. And it's weird to be told that you're the freak in a group full of freaks, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, you lose your perspective rather quickly.
3: Hmm.
2: And then Brad tells me, he says, I just met you, but... I already have you all figured out. And your problem is that you're way too much in your head. So I'm going to help you with that. And he, like, opens up a folder, and he pulls out a contract. And the contract says that I should do whatever he tells me to do for the next eight days. Wow. Yeah. And so I say, that's crazy, and there's no way I'm going to sign this contract. Like, absolutely not. It literally says, like, you, starling kind... Have to do whatever Brad Blanton tells you to do for a week. Like, I'm wondering, like, how binding is his contract? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, could he actually, like, go to court if I defy him? I mean, it's like being a slave, you know?
3: Yeah. And then he
2: stands up and looks at me and screams, F you. I resent you for defying me. So, does this, like, screaming bare-chested man <laughs> telling me to f*** off so I say this is crazy you can't just tell me to f*** off and he says f*** you I'm at war with your mind yes he says he's at war with my mind Jonathan and then I tell him I actually like my mind quite a bit like I don't want him to be war with my mind and I'm very happy with my mind and I'm keeping it and he says f*** you I resent you for liking your mind And then at this point, I just start crying because so I'm like so shaken up, and mm-hmm. it's so jarring—the whole thing that it's all happening so fast—and like the murder and the cat sex and the house—and I just start to cry in his living room. And that makes him really tear into me, and he starts screaming, F- "You! I resent you for crying!" And he just keeps calling me over and over. I'm crying harder and harder, and I'm trying to tell him to stop. Someone offers me tissue, and he's like, "Tell them the." Off, and then he actually, like a true villain, starts mocking my crying. He literally is going, wah, wah, you, I'm a little baby and I keep crying, wah, wah, like that. Finally, like it was so insane, I just couldn't be there anymore. And I ran up the stairs to my room. And I was like, I'm leaving. This is crazy. There's no reason. I cannot stay here. I'll just suck up the money. I'm just leaving, right?
3: Mm -hmm. And I
2: start, like, gathering my things together, putting my stuff back in my suitcase. But then it's really really weird what happened. I basically started going through the same thought process that I go through when I'm leaving a relationship.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: Like, I began to think that maybe I was blowing it out of proportion, and the fight we had wasn't as bad as I thought. And I also began to feel, like, this is what I do all the time. Hmm. I began to feel nostalgic for the good old days, back when we were driving to Brad's house, you know. I was, like, feeling very attached suddenly to, like, even the other people. And I was like, well, if I leave now, I won't be able to, like, have lunch with everybody. And Hmm. this is why, like, I never end up leaving a bad situation, because I start to, like, tweak it in my head. Yeah. And so I didn't leave. I, I went back downstairs, and I, and I signed the contract. So then for the next five days, I had a very simple little routine. I would wake up, Go downstairs. We do a little yoga. Mm-hmm. Brad liked to start the days off with the yoga.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: We'd have a really disgusting lunch, usually with the, with the main feature being some oily uh, cheddar cheese triangle <laughs> of some sort, you know, on bread or on a bagel. And then uh, Brad would call me a b- for the next eight hours. <laughs> and um and honestly, like I don't even understand what the other people did in the other sessions mm. before I'd shown up because all of his attention was focused on calling me a. B-
1: you were, you were like the star pupil.
2: I was the star pupil. I was like the only pupil.
0: Uh-huh. It
2: was like a one-woman show of just <laughs> name-calling.
0: Think of your favorite one-hit wonder. Or that overpriced toy your parents would never let you have. Or that TV show that no one else remembers because it was canceled way too soon. Now what if we could fix it?
2: my new Radical Honesty routine, I wake up, go downstairs, same as always,
3: Mm -hmm. and Brad
2: announces he's got a surprise for me. And I'm just thinking, oh good, great, what can it be? And he says normally at the end of every Radical Honesty workshop, at the end of the eighth day, Mm
3: -hmm. everyone
2: celebrates by getting naked and like running around naked with each other. But he says he's got a special treat for me, and that that treat was that he was moving Naked Day up to today, <laughs> to the fifth day.
1: Just out of the goodness of his heart.
2: I guess so. He really said it like with such like relish, like, "Yay, Naked Day today, <laughs> starting now." Yay. He was like, "This is gonna be great. It's Naked Day. It's so beautiful. <laughs> you, sort of <are> a couple. <laughs> you, but it's just gonna be this great bonding thing." So that's when I realized that. If there was ever a moment where I had to take a stand and make a choice, this was it, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I said, no f-ing way. I'm out of here. I quit. I will not do this. And that's when I realized it's actually not quite as easy as it seems to flee a cult. Because first of all, I'm in nowhere. I'm in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. I don't have a car. I was driven here by Jerry and Ann. And I don't know how to get out of here. Like, it's a small, tiny town. And I'm trying to find, like, some local person who can drive me to a bus station or something, you know? Mm -hmm. And I get some number, and I call, and I'm like, is there a cab who can pick me up and take me to the bus station? Mm
3: -hmm. And they said,
2: there's no cabs in this town. The person on the phone said, there's no cabs at all. And I'm like, well, I need someone to drive me to the bus station. I'm in a house, and they want me to get naked, and I just need someone to drive me away. And the woman's like, well, I'll see what I can do. And I hang up, and I start calling other cab things. And I finally get a cab that is an hour away from where I am. And they say it's going to cost $200. And so I just, like, wait, and I'm in my room, and I'm trying to, like, not think about anything. And then one of the people from downstairs after a little while calls up and are like, Starly, there's someone here for you. And I figure it's my cab, and I, like, get my bag, and I go downstairs, and – parked outside of Brad's house, in his driveway, are the cops, the police. They've come, because that first woman, you know who I talked to, she ended up calling the cops. Oh, yeah. And, like, they're there, and they're waiting, and I'm like, uh, uh no, 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 this is a misunderstanding. Uh, they just want me to get naked, that's all, and then they, like, the cops, like, put their hands on their guns, you know? Mm-hmm. And they, like, totally want to come in and, like, arrest everyone in the house. And I'm, like, trying to explain to them that even though they want me to get naked, it's not illegal somehow.
1: Because of his contract.
2: Yeah. <laughs> right. And I see their cop car, and I really do want to get in. It seems very comforting. But then the cab pulls up from, like, the hour away town. Hmm. And I have to choose. Like, before I didn't have any way to flee my Colt and now I have, like, too many options. Hmm. And then I, I, I choose the cab because he's come all that way, and I feel hmm. like I have to take him. And also, I probably don't want to end up in a woman's shelter.
3: Yeah.
2: And so I tell the cops I'm sorry and they're like really don't want to leave. Like they really slowly get in their cars and drive away and like look back the whole time. And I get into the cab and like we start driving and I can see the trees and I can see all the nature and I start to notice that it's really actually very pretty there. Like it was like a really nice weather, fall had just started and I'm just kind of taking it all in. And I just was, like, noticing it, and I was shocked that I hadn't seen any of this on the drive up hmm. somehow. Like, I'd just been thinking about how I didn't want Ann and Jerry to talk to me and, like, my flight and, like, what I was about to get into. And I didn't even notice how beautiful it was. And it was, like, right then that I realized that how this was the first time I'd ever gotten out of a bad situation on my own, like, I had finally done the leaving, hmm. and it, I was just leaving Brad, but at least I was leaving somebody, and I had done it, and I, I mean, it's so crazy what happened, but I feel proud that I did it, that I actually left, you know, and I realized that finally, for even a brief period, just for that brief cab ride, I think it was my version of living in the moment.
0: to the uh, Canadian Broadcasting Corporation today. Oh, were you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's something really, really, really interesting and informative on radical honesty. That you were listening to my radio show. Right, you show. know, everyone is just so duplicitous, and I, I'm just sick of it, and I'm going to be an honest person. Okay, but
1: Howard, I mean, if you had been listening to my radio my radio show... I'm just going to
0: say it as it is. You know, John, one thing about you, when you eat, mm-hmm. you have crumbs all over your face, and it disgusts me.
1: Okay, and I'm wh- going to be why?
0: a truthful person, and bang, First thing in my mind, you disgust me.
1: Okay, you especially see, when you eat. You know what? You're going overboard. And and I'll tell you something else. There's a reason why we have uh, filters. You know, and and it's called being polite. I mean, and that's sort of the point. Of, you
0: lost me about a minute ago. I just found that so boring and long-winded. I just really had no interest in listening to that. Oh, yeah. You know, would you accept that feigning interest in what boring people have to say is a form of lying? I think it is. Oh, you do? Yeah. I'm being frank. I was honest before. I was pretty honest. I I would say Mm -hmm. what I think and think what I say. But I'm just basically saying that right now, I am just completely, completely rid myself of any kind of falsehood. I
1: I think that might not be such a good idea for you.
0: Well, I disagree. And I think that you often have stains in your armpits. Okay, Howard. Had someone been honest about maybe, I don't know, 35 years ago, Mm -hmm. maybe you'd have more friends.
1: You know what? Maybe I do need more friends.
0: Well, there you go. See, that's a very honest statement. Because you have basically one... And that's me, and I'm getting kind of sick of you. And I appreciate your honesty in assessing that. Do well, you know when, I, when you speak, your dentures go click, 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 click.
1: Howard, I don't wear dentures. Check it out.
0: I'm just going to let it fly, okay? All right, look, I like apples. I like apples. I like onions. So I want an orange julep.
1: Howard, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't
0: even know what I'm talking about, but just being honest here. But your breath often smells like spirits, and I mean both, both alcohol and dead people. Okay, you see, Howard... No filters. Filters are for coffee.
1: Howard, there's being honest, and then there's just being
0: downright rude. You run funny.
1: When have you ever seen me run?
0: Remember that time I was chasing you with the garden hose? You're all dressed up, and you're on your way to that, that radio award ceremony. John, over the years, I've, I've been censoring myself. You should know this thing. You know, you, you go around, you, you call soft drinks soda pop, and that oh. really embarrasses me. You oh. know, you call cold cuts luncheon meats, and that embarrasses me. I mean, I, I, who says that?
1: Howard, that is not... First of all, that is... Hey, hey, I'm just being honest.
0: Okay. You, you were being very... No, 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 no. I'm just being very straightforward. Okay, John, look, look. Okay, I, ha- I have another confession to make. I don't want to hear your confessions. Wait, wait, hear me out, okay? Well, you know those pants, your favorite pants, the beige ones? Mm-hmm. Right? Those are your favorite pants, right? And I encourage you to buy those pants. We went shopping together, and you know, and you tried them on, and you, you, you were uncertain because you felt they were way too expensive. And I said, what well, are you crazy? They look so great. You've got you to wear them. You have to get these pants. And I made you go in front of the mirror, and I made you dance around the whole changing room with them, mm-hmm. wearing the pants. Remember that? Right. And you felt so good about them. Mm-hmm. Those pants, John, they make your ass look fat.
1: Why would you have encouraged me to get them then?
0: I felt that maybe if you were wearing something like that and looked so bad, it would make me feel a bit better about myself. They, hide, they ride really high up in the back. Mm-hmm. And somehow... It gives you visible panty line, and, I, and I'm certain that you're, you're not wearing panties, so it, it's quite a mystery. Okay,
1: you know, Howard, didn't your mother ever teach you to, you know, bite your tongue?
0: My mother was trying to teach me how not to bite my tongue because I was eating so quickly, and we even had to get a specialized mouth guard. Yet, look, I'm just, look, watch. Ah, oh, I just feel this this liberation. I, it, I just feel, you know what, you, you try it. You try it. Go, go. So not, I, how I, first Be of honest with me. Talk about me. Talk about your own miserable life. I don't care. Oh
1: just, yeah. Okay,
0: yeah. All right. You, maybe we'll okay. All right. So right. You, know you,
1: you, you know what? you always talk about how your hands are are lethal weapons. Yes, yes. It's because you never wash them, Howard.
0: I appreciate your candor.
1: Your apartment smells like the inside of a filthy hockey
0: bag. <clears throat> I value your opinion.
1: And you don't even play
0: hockey. You're stupid.
1: Okay, Howard. You had your turn.
0: I'm just I'm just being honest with you. It was a stupid comment. And, and your ears are dirty. I, they are not dirty.
1: And oh. let, let's talk about eating habits. Oh, okay, okay, choose, choose, choose,
0: choose. Can we call a truce here for a second? Now, I'm going to say something now, and I'm not disavowing honesty, mm-hmm. okay, but in lieu of the situation, maybe we should not be honest about each other. What do you mean? Well, we can maybe combine our honesty and be honest about other people.
1: And who, who exactly do you have in mind?
0: Josh. Josh seems like a good person, to be honest about. Like, wh- why Josh? Well, because he, he's not here. Uh-huh. And we can say what we want, and he will never even know it. Mm-hmm. And we can delight in our honesty. Okay, for instance, you know, his voice is so shrill that it's like an emergency warning system.
1: <laughs> that is, That is true, especially when he gets all worked up.
0: I mean, Josh is just that's one irritable guy.
1: I mean, have you ever gone out to eat with him? Very frustrating. Do you ever see how picky he is with his food? Yeah, he can't even
0: order anything because he just dissect everything that's on the menu.
1: Yeah, it's just awful. I I feel bad for the waitresses.
0: Yeah, hear I mean, when he stings, the dress is crazy. On Wiretap today, you heard Starly Kine and Howard Chakowitz. Wiretap is produced by Jonathan Goldstein with Mira Bertwintonic and Crystal Duhame. For more CBC podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.